The views expressed by guests on this podcast are the opinions of the speakers and not PCCA. This podcast is intended to be educational and informative. PCCA does not endorse or advocate any practice that is not consistent with federal and state laws or regulations. Check with your local board of pharmacy about any issues in your particular jurisdiction. Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. This is Mike Delisio, and I'm very happy to be joined by one of our, can I say famous employees? You could. Very well-recognized employees. <laughs> uh, someone who I get a chance to work with very, very often. Uh, was recognized as one of our team members of the year a few years back. And really a big part of who we are. And, and that's an individual that comes directly from our human relations department. And it's none other than Michael Jones, our official human relations specialist. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. This is not your first time. No, no. I think it was either last year or the year before we talked about some like retention strategies and and benefits. I was here with Whitney. So glad to be back to talk about some more HR stuff. You know, thinking back about that episode, I think it was like mid 2001 and we were talking about how to engage employees virtually Mm -hmm. and do a whole bunch of that stuff. And obviously world has changed Right. In 2023, and we're not doing virtual connection as much anymore, but right. still still trying to retain talent. Yes. And definitely that's still a priority for a lot of small business owners and medium-sized business owners. Right, for sure. I think one of the things that we're seeing now is kind of like the fallout, like the, the pandemic has had so many different phases, right? So now we're post-pandemic, we're kind of seeing... Uh, what we've learned from uh, COVID and how we can kind of regroup and and take the lessons from it and move forward. And retention is really a big part of that. I think in the last like 2020, 2021, and 2022, particularly, we were like really, really hyper-focused on retaining people because of the great resignation. People were just leaving left and right. We're like, where are they going? Um, now, I think that has calmed down just a bit, uh, but just in time for us to kind of recognize another trend that we've actually, or some people have known about for many decades, which is this whole idea of a population shift in the United States and how we had this very large, the largest generation in the United States history, the baby boomers who are leaving the workforce and kind of the vacuum that that's going to create in the U.S. labor market. And like, how do we fight against that? Um, what do we do to prepare ourselves for the future? Um, and what do we do to kind of um, make sure we have our people in place to make sure our businesses thrive and succeed? What, you know, what strikes me is that no matter how we want to tackle this and, and bring up, you know, what we really want to chat about today, it's impossible not to ignore 2020 to 2023. Right. Uh, you know, you brought up things like analyzing the labor market and um, what is unemployment rate? What does that represent to, you know, to the overall economy? Right. If you speak to our pharmacists, specifically, I would say almost late 2019, I think they already started experiencing labor shortage issues, mm-hmm. um, difficulty filling roles, and then you know, 2020 kind of exacerbated everything. And um, we try to do a very good job of keeping a very close pulse on what's going on in the front lines. Our 
pharmacists who are members mean a lot to us and, and right. they have the ability to share, you know, what are you struggling with? What, what is really going on in your business that's preventing you from growing? And I can honestly say in the last three years and still today, the number one issue or concern is either keeping their people that they have or two, finding anyone to do different roles within the pharmacy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can call it what it is, um, quote unquote, the war of finding talent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is really an ongoing issue. And it's, it could be pharmacy related. It could be retail related. It can be in any major sector. And it's, it's de- definitely something that impacts smaller businesses that have less employee headcount and, right. and are so dependent on the individuals that have significant responsibilities within the pharmacy. So, right. you know, Proposing all this as, as obviously the biggest challenge that our pharmacies face, what does that mean to you, Michael? Because I know we're, we're discussing PCCA, we're mid-sized to a large-sized company, we're mm-hmm. you know 250 plus employees, so it's a bit of a different situation, but nevertheless, the issue remains the same. Yeah, I mean, it is, yeah, that's a good point. It's I always really enjoy the opportunity to get to speak with members, whether it's at uh, advisory council or doing international seminar to just hear their stories about what's happening in their pharmacies. And it's interesting how um, closely related our experiences are here at PCCA to their experiences in, in their pharmacies. Uh, it's, a, of course, like microcosm in many cases, right? Because it's a smaller company, but nevertheless, it's the same struggle. Like we have the advantage, I think, of as some of our members do as well, you know, being a long established company. And so we have people who've been here for a while, uh, but we have some of those people who've been here for a while going on 40 years, you know, people got to retire one day, you know, so we got to think about those people as they uh, transition to that next phase of their life. And then how do we attract people, right? That's a huge, huge thing. I think we, there was so much upheaval over the last three years. And so we kind of took we were taking like guerrilla tactics, like just trying to find people where we could find them. And so I can imagine that same uh, circumstance was replicated across the membership as well. And maybe even more difficult uh, if you don't have the resources, like we have an entire human relations team supported by our, our senior leadership, supported by our various team leads and directors who help and are, have a vested interest in helping to find talent. And they bring us ideas like, Hey, have you thought about looking here? Hey, have you, you know, thought about interviewing this person? I have this referral, you know, so we have a lot of resources, but it's still been difficult for us as well. So I can imagine for the members, it's been it's been a struggle. And I have heard that as well. Just how do we how do we keep our people? How do we get people to show up for interviews? Right. <laughs> you know, that's something we've struggled with sometimes too, depending on the role. So I think all of us are feeling it. And I, you know, having friends who work for Fortune 500 companies um, to mom and pop, you know, and everything in between, uh, this struggle to find and retain talent. Uh, is something that everybody is facing. So you mentioned something really important too, and you know, demographic. Demographic could be relating to age, could be relating to gender, could be relating to a variety of you know social factors. Income, you know, comes to mind. Income brackets, and mm-hmm. and hearing from pharmacists that you know retaining uh, pharmacy technicians, finding pharmacy technicians is probably the most significant issue. And and obviously, as you would assume, you know, operating a compounding lab often relies heavily on the compounding technicians that are able to prepare these medications. So from an income bracket point of view, um, have we seen a strain on salary expectations 
mm-hmm. um, for these types of roles and, you know, assuming where that, you know, salary range would be, you know, I'll, I'll throw in an average number, potentially, you know, forty to $60,000 a year, you know, has the salary expectations also shifted with a lower unemployment rate and then, you know, forcing an increase in operating expense and everything else. So have we noticed similar trends yes. in, in, in that, you know, income demographic? Yes. Yeah, so I, the height of that trend was really in late 2021 and early 2022 for us at least. And from my colleagues and other um, people that I know that work in human resources and human relations, just in general, that was the time when a lot of that hit its peak. I think it's, kind of declining a bit now because of everything that's happening in the economy. People are getting a bit more realistic about their salary expectations, but there was a time in 2021 in particular where people were getting crazy signing bonuses for jobs that are traditionally like frontline roles. And we were like, we don't pay signing bonuses, you know, (laughs) for those kinds of jobs or really for any, and a lot of companies don't, you know? And so it's like, how do you compete with, that where there are companies who have seemingly limitless resources to throw at candidates. Uh, and so that did put a lot of pressure on salaries. And so I think one of the things that we've tried to do is to keep in mind that that has an impact on the entire organization, right? So if you start paying people more than what they really should be paid, that places pressure on the rest of your salary structure as well. And so then you have to start reevaluating all of that and potentially driving up costs in general. I think it's, it's wise to regularly go through uh, a salary review, uh, but I think you don't want to get into the place where you're chasing people and, and, and matching and, mm-hmm. and, and doing that, those sorts of things in order to compete with what the guy up the street is doing necessarily for a salary. Like you want to be competitive, but at the end of the day, you have to set your range, uh, what is sustainable and feasible for your business. And then that's where some of the fun or the real work can come in is about your value proposition as a whole, because it's not just about your base salary. Uh, It's about bonus. It's about benefits. It's about perks. It's about workplace culture that all of those things are really important. And that's one of the biggest lessons I think that came out of 2020, 2021 is that a lot of people fell into the trap of paying people, you know, whatever they were demanding. And that doesn't really solve the problem. Because a lot of those candidates, there's this concept, I don't know if you're familiar with it, of boomerang candidates. So people who left in the great, great resignation, some of them have gone back to their previous jobs or left that job that they got that five or six figure signing bonus for because the grass isn't always greener. I was going to say, right? <laughs> might not necessarily call it the boomerang effect, but it's the grass wasn't greener effect. Yeah, yeah. And so if you have a great company culture, which, I mean, I, I believe in my heart that PCCA does, and I honestly see it reflected in our membership as well. I think uh, so many of our members that I've talked to have a great uh, culture, and I think their mission is great. And I've always said that, that there are so many people looking for value and purpose in the work that they do and compounding pharmacy just by its nature that's almost built in. It's a given, you know? And so it makes such a compelling case for the work I want to do has to be meaningful, has to change people's lives. I think that our members do that. And so they just have to kind of get in front of that message and make sure that candidates know that. Uh, It's not going to make up for not being paid fairly, of course. You know, Mm -hmm. you want to be competitive. You want to um, make sure you're, you're paying people what they need to be paid, but also you want to have that component of the culture of the mission um, to make people um, realize that 
the work that they do, the time they spend at your company is is time well spent. And I think that's one of the things that people are really looking for these days. There's obviously a lot to unpack. Um, because when we think of the original question, it's how does an individual win the war for talent? Mm-hmm. And and that's really where everybody's at, right? It's right. you know trying to find frontline staff, trying to find individuals for roles that help sustain the business of a small business like most independent community pharmacies. So, you know, thinking about that, and obviously I'm not an economist, but thinking of the impact, we, we've heard the word inflation over the last two and a half years being thrown out constantly. And it's like, I can't help but look at the impacts even in small businesses when labor wages have increased so much right. because you mentioned the expectation of the role. And then you think of the small business owner. The solution is not just to throw more money at a problem um, because I can almost assure, I'm almost guaranteeing, and you, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that doesn't always necessarily help retain an employee. No. Um, so let's unpack a lot about your the retention tactics. What would a pharmacy do in this stage to try to position themselves as a differentiator, a, a, you know, a different place to work, whereas it is appealing for, you know, a potential candidate to choose them mm-hmm. and not solely for the purpose of additional, you know, starting salary or income. Right. That's an interesting point that you bring up about the impact of uh, throwing money at a problem or even just giving someone a huge salary increase. There's a statistic. I don't know the exact number of days, but there is a finite number of days Um by which that even has an impact for a person. It's like 30 days or something. Like that changes or increases someone's engagement or satisfaction with their job for about a month. And then after it, it just goes away. It's like you didn't even do it. So uh, while it is, again, you know, paying people fairly and paying them competitively is important. There are so many other things that you really need to be thinking about doing. And uh, you mentioned the war on talent. So I got to bring up and got to shout out this book by Chris Sarnik. So Chris, is this is an amazing, amazing book. He actually came to PCCA earlier in 2023 to talk to us about this whole concept of getting prepared for the demographic shifts in the United States that are coming and like what we can do to insulate ourselves uh, and also in a forward thinking way, recruit people and retain people for the future. So one of the biggest components of that is really changing the way we think about finding people in the first place. It's not about, you know, what's in the offer letter, what do we offer in terms of perks? It's like, where are we looking for people and how do we find those people? Because the people that we are looking for are going to connect and resonate with our message, which with our mission and with our vision. And so those are the people that we need to focus our efforts on finding. So in the past, what has happened, and, and Chris mentioned this in his book, was this at, after the Great Depression, or during the Great Depression, rather, everybody was looking for a job, right? So um, unemployment was at historic highs, and, and, and people would do anything just to get a job to put food on the table. So employers had to establish these job descriptions that just on their face excluded a whole bunch of people who were not qualified, right? It listed all these different bullets. You got to have this, this, X, Y, Z. And so people would see it and they're like, I'm not qualified. I'm not even going to, you know, bother applying. And so that weeded out a lot of people. Uh, well, we have carried that same mentality and that same model of business uh, or, or job descriptions to the present day. And it has had that same impact that it was intended to have originally, which is to exclude people 
right? And to say people to look at it and say, I'm not even going to bother because I don't have all that experience. So one of the, the first things that we've done in 2023 is to look at our job descriptions and the way we're advertising for the roles uh, that we need. So we have partnered with our like our, our, our human relations team and our marketing team have partnered together to come up with job ads and uh, they're a little different from job descriptions. So we still have our job description because people got to know what they're doing, right? <laughs> it's a compliance thing uh, for there to be qualifications and um, components of a job, but it's about the way we put that search out there. It's about who are we speaking to uh, with this particular job search? So we get really granular with the hiring manager about what they're looking for, about the kind of person that will succeed in this role, thinking about look at your team, who on your team. So taking the, like if we were looking, talking about one of our members, like look at your pharmacy, who are your superstars? Who are the people that if you could clone them, you would uh, interview them, talk about you know, where did you find them? How did they come to you? Uh, what keeps them there? What keeps them happy? And using that information to write the job ad to saying, you know, we're looking for someone who has this kind of experience. We think these kinds of people will succeed uh, at our pharmacy. We've had great success with people who've come from XYZ industries. You know, all of that you find in talking to your, your kind of brightest stars and kind of putting that out there into the market through whatever advertising tool you use, whether it's your own personal LinkedIn or social media, uh, you use local job ads or your local paper, uh, whatever it is, uh, putting that information out there in a way that um, will attract the right kind of people. So I think that's the first step in this whole process of retention. Because to me, retention starts before the person is even hired because it's about getting the right person in the right seat. And so I would encourage uh, listeners to look at pccarx.com slash careers to look at the way we are updating and changing some of our job ads uh, to reflect the need to get the right kind of person and to attract rather than to um, repel people. Because I think that's what traditional job descriptions do to a certain degree. They do repel people. And it's important to shift that paradigm uh, because we're getting to the point where we have to attract because if we don't we're not going to find the people that we need it's it's so well said um and i'm, I'm assuming our audience is probably wondering like how would i just change a job description and even, like, there's so much that goes into it but mm -hmm. you know interviewing your superstars is a definitely a huge takeaway um fortunately for us specifically on the sales side and and obviously being part of our human relations team, Michael, you know mm. how how we work and when we're interviewing for roles and um, our ability to adapt a job description. We almost did this right before the company did because I don't know if you recall uh, another organization, and I'll I'll name them out loud because if you if you do have an interest or curiosity to learn more about how job descriptions are laid out, we actually found something with HubSpot. Mm -hmm. HubSpot is a very large. Um, CRM, you know, customer relationship management system. And I found one of their postings and their, their job description was incredible. The way it was laid out, it was, it wasn't the traditional, you know, definition of the role responsibilities right. and your background and that's it. And so bullet point and black and white to your point earlier, it's you're excluding 95% of candidates and applicants. Um, I think what was really cool, and this is this could be a big takeaway for our audience, was we included a section of who you are. 
And, you know, what would you be doing in the day of the life of this job? And, and that was really specific because I always found as an interviewing manager going through candidates, the biggest challenge was, was probably spending 20 out of the 30 minutes on an initial like standard interview Mm -hmm. explaining what the job was. Um, because there's always a lot of curiosity with the candidate. They want to know exactly what they're going to be doing. Right. Um, and then you feel like you're in a position of you're selling the job and you shouldn't have to be selling the job. Right. Um, it, it's got to be a synergistic conversation where the candidate is obviously selling themselves mm-hmm. and you want to see if they're the right fit. Um, and if they're, and vice versa, are you the right fit for them. Right. Uh, because we've also seen that as being an issue. Uh, the last thing you ever want to do is sell a job to a candidate because that does not work. Right. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, no, sure. I do. I, I like what you said about it being synergistic and by being kind of on both sides. Right. So we have to be the right fit for the candidate. The candidate has to be the right fit for us. And I think the way we do that is, you know, we attract with the job ad with this more, it's almost one of the candidates actually said to me, and I found it actually kind of touching. He was like this job ad. He's like, I applied to this job because what you posted like this, it was human is what he said. And I was like, Oh wow. Like that was, you know, very compelling. Cause a lot of this whole process of finding a job, it can be dehumanizing in a way. And I think that we as business owners and and human resources professionals and hiring managers kind of have to take responsibility for our part in that over the last few decades, because, Mm -hmm. you know, you put an application out there, it kind of goes into the ether and you never hear back or you have an interview and no one ever follows up with you. And you're left wondering like, Hey, like I'm looking for a job, like what happened, you know? And so I think candidates, have remembered that. I mean, I've been at PCCA for almost nine years now, but I still remember the days of looking for a job and just waiting on pins and needles, you know, to hear back from an employer. Uh, so we have to be engaged in a dialogue with our with our candidates and having a transparent conversation about what the job entails, right? So putting that out there first, like you mentioned, um, interviewing them, but they're also interviewing us. I mean, that is the reality. And I think it's not only just about the job, but it's also about you know, the company's culture about uh, people want to know how long have other people been here? Like, what does a day in life look like? Not only for me, but for my coworkers, like what is the dynamic here? People have really shifted their mentality about work. And I think that is what's really important for us to remember. It's not just about coming and getting a paycheck and, and going home. I mean, some people still take that mentality about work, but for the vast majority, I think people realize life is too short to spend it that way. And they want to be invested in something or invested in a place that is in turn also invested in them. And so we got to make sure that we communicate that during the hiring process uh, and uh, let people know what they're signing up for and and finding the right kind of people. And you mentioned um, pharmacy technicians. I think that they are, a perfect candidate for this concept of finding the right kinds of people and that you won't necessarily find the person that you're looking for by putting a standard job description out there. Um, so uh, one of the things that's also mentioned in winning the war for town is this idea of being a hunter as opposed to a farmer. So for many years, we've all just been able to be farmers, right? So you just like, you plant the seeds, they grow, you know, it's always, you know, the harvest is always <laughs> in a good space. That, that's not really happening anymore. Like, you know, you got to kind of transition to more an active 
hunter role in finding these people. Uh, and so you got to cr- get creative about how you find people, like thinking about, um, you know, looking in places that you you wouldn't ordinarily look, having a business card that says, you know, I like the way you work or here's what I do. I like, you know, I'd like you to come and learn more about us because uh, you could possibly be a good fit. It's not always necessarily about finding someone who's been a pharmacy tech, you know, uh, a lot of times jobs, skills, and like the task of the job, those things can be taught. But what you're really looking for is the personality, the work ethic, the drive, the loyalty, those kinds of things. And those people are everywhere, right? But you got to find them. They're not necessarily going to come to you through a traditional job application process. Yeah. You know, we think of the importance of the pharmacy technicians to to the whole, you know, pharmacy process and and how amazing they are and how much we love also working with our techs. Mm-hmm. And then I also thinking, you know, putting myself in the spot of a, of one of our members, let's say I owned a business and I was running a pharmacy, how I would position the role of compounding pharmacy technician and how it reads as a job description is completely different. It's a different skill set. Um, it's, you know, different traits that go into making a great compounding pharmacy technician mm-hmm. versus one that works in a retail environment. Um, it's a completely different job. Yeah. Um, so how to be extremely descriptive, how to look for that ambitious individual who is willing to do something completely different, um, who's making a difference in a patient's life, um, who sees the the benefit of compounding a medication and, you know, working in that lab environment. So there's so much to unpack there, but truly that all boils down to the core values of the pharmacy as well Mm -hmm. in terms of what they are doing as a compounding pharmacy to deliver customized medications in a different way. And that pharmacy staff behind them is the most important thing of anything. So winning the war for talent in that regard for that type of job and how to differentiate the job and how the posting means everything, I cannot help but wonder how often pharmacies post regular compounding pharmacy technician jobs and it looks generic. So it's not catching the eye of the candidate. And I think I'll try to be very careful when I say this, you're not, you're not trying to appeal to a target demographic, whether it's age or gender or anything else. But the reality is, what, 80% of applicants are probably going to be under the age of 35? Mm. So where are they looking for jobs? Right. Are they on Indeed? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they not looking at a newspaper? Right. So you know, bringing back your demographic again, just knowing who your mass audience is probably going to be, the reality is it's, it's going to be in a different place than it was 10, 15 years ago. Right. So you know, how has that shifted for us? Uh, well, it's shifted in, in exactly how you said, like people are not looking for jobs in the same way that they used to. I mean, they are, you know, social media is is huge. I think a lot of our, our best candidates come from LinkedIn. Uh, a lot of our best candidates actually also are already working. <laughs> They're already actively mm-hmm. employed. And so we have to seek them out and make the case for why PCCA is a great place to work. And also, it's not just one of the things we want to avoid in terms of the trap. Like we got to tell our story. And, and why we're a compelling case for, you know, why you should work here. But you also have to impress upon the candidates. You have to help them see themselves here or mm-hmm. wherever you are. Because at the end of the day, pe- it's, you know, people, it's about them, right? They want to know, well, where do I fit into this scenario? Where do my talents, how can I shine by being here? How can my talents contribute to the overall 
mission and vision of the organization. And focusing on that is really key. So when you think about something, you know, or a job like a pharmacy technician, what you're going to be looking to do is finding a way to put messaging out there that resonates with that need and desire to be creative, to find innovative solutions to challenges, um, to be detail-oriented. Those kinds of people that you're looking for, you have to speak to that desire within them. So it's about, it's almost psychological in a way, like speaking to someone's, you know, desires to serve and to work and what makes them tick and connecting that to the job and the work that you do in your pharmacy. So there are people out there for whom they don't know. Like if I saw, before I came to PCCA, I I would have assumed that anybody working in a pharmacy or anything having to do with the pharmacy is an extreme, like had to have a background in chemistry, you know, or pharmaceutical science that, you know, they have a 4.0 GPA in that. And anybody touching anything having to do with pharmacy is, is a specifically science minded person. And I wouldn't have even bothered because I'm a humanities major, you know? Mm-hmm. So there are people who are like me who may not be chemistry majors, who may not be bio majors or whatever, but they would be perfect pharmacy technicians or maybe even pharmacists, you know? And because it's about more than just what would have been in a traditional job description, right? It's about the personality fit. It's about the kind of person who would want to work in an environment where you're coming up with personalized solutions for patients, right? That's a very specific thing and a very specific mission Mm -hmm. uh, that compounding pharmacy has. And there are people for whom I speak to uh, when I'm recruiting, when I, tell PCCA's story and by extension, the story of our members, they, you can hear them on the phone. They kind of just light up like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't know that that's what this was. And I want to know more about how you are a force for good in the world is basically the question that they're asking in so many words. And I think that our, our, our members, that's exactly what they are is a force for good in the world. And we have to connect that to the jobs and help people see that. And that will bring them in. One last big channel that we haven't really addressed yet, which is probably the most powerful channel of applicants, is the the power of referral. Oh, uh, yes. So I, I didn't want to record this podcast with not discussing it because it is really important. And we have amazing metrics at PCCA to also point to the amount of individuals that have been with the company long-term mm-hmm. that have come through an internal referral, not just blindly applying for a job. So, you know, the concept of good people knowing good people, right? it's, it's a tagline, but it, it makes a lot <laughs> it's of sense. True. It makes it's a lot true. of sense and it, it, it does work. So how would you start or create a referral program, even in a small business. And yeah. and what is the power of all that? Because we know it exists. And how do you incentivize and reward the amazing team that you currently have that is pushing for their applicants or finding applicants right. uh, for that specific role? Well, Mike, it's interesting that you asked because we just launched a referral program here at PCCA. <laughs> a I did, formal I, it is, it is for, program. It is formal. So we, for years, have had referrals Um, A lot of our best people have come through referrals. And it's interesting because we were in a session actually discussing winning the war for talent. And uh, Chris asked us, like, by a show of hands, how many people in this room came to PCCA via referral? 
And about 60% of the people in that particular meeting raised their hand. And I was blown away by that because, you know, a lot of the people in the room have, were here before I even showed up. So I, I, I didn't necessarily know how they came to be at PCCA, but that got made me get curious about their stories and just hearing all the different people like, yeah, I was, you know, working here and, and, and Dave Sparks saw me and, and wanted to, wanted me to come in to interview or, you know, I was working with Lizzie Harbin and I came in and it's just, there's so many different stories yeah. of people who were referred. And so we were like, wow, there's really something to this. So let's, let's reward this behavior. Uh, because at the end of the day, making a referral is, is a huge psychological risk for people. Uh, I know that sounds strange, but when you think about it, <clears throat> you're bringing in one of your potentially friends, former coworkers, or even family member to a work environment. And there's this idea of their success being closely correlated to your success. If they show up, like, don't embarrass me. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to bring this person to my, my place of employment. It could, it could be a, you know, it's depending on the individual. Sometimes they're, they don't want to. Yeah, sure. they don't. And, and so, you know, you may know a whole bunch of people and you just are, you're just like, oh, I don't know. That could get weird. Because you feel like you're vouching for them. Yes, yes. You feel like if I bring this person in, anything that they do, I am responsible for it, or I'm going to be looked at differently. Uh, so first, acknowledging that reality and, and acknowledging that, and, and that's the reason why you need a referral program to begin with, right? Because if that weren't there, people would be referring their associates and friends all the time. But um, acknowledging that reality and thinking about how do you overcome that and uh, incentivizing people to refer candidates. Uh, and so that's kind of the genesis of where you want to start your referral program. So we uh, first doing that work to find out how many of our people came through referrals, what is the typical rate of referrals, what, you know, looking at the successes of the referrals, because a lot of our referral candidates have turned out to be some really, really outstanding team members. And they stay long term because there is a, you know, there's a connection, you know, they have a person brought them into the fold and 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 they're invested in in the company's success. And so uh, we thought about ways to reward making the referral, right? So bringing a qualified keyword being qualified referral um, to the forefront. And um, then the second piece is rewarding if that person stays because statistically, if a person stays um, past the ninetieth day, um, they'll be at a job for two years. So you just think about you're getting two years out of a person a minimum, win. right, if they stay for 90 days. So how do we reward? So we, you know, are rewarding. I know a lot of the members know about our wow bucks, right? So we <laughs> recently transitioned to wow points. We have that now on an online platform. But like team members who make a referral uh, receive 100 wow points if that referral is qualified, has an interview with PCCA. Uh, and then if they stay past the 90th day, they're rewarded with an additional week of vacation or week of pay, depending on their team leader. You know, your team leader may have something to say about you taking an additional week of vacation. So if that's not feasible, then you can do the week of pay. Um, but we have already had so many referrals come in. So now we as, as HR have to do our due diligence to get these people interviewed. And has it been like, what, like three weeks? Yeah, like just over, just over three weeks. And so people were coming to us. We announced it at a company meeting. And so people were coming up literally that day. Like I have a referral. What's the process, you know? So um, people are excited. Uh, I think it just kind of lit a fire under people to say, hey, you know, 
it's a risk to make a referral, but I'm willing to take the risk because there's something in it for me. Uh, and it's not only just about a referral within your own department. I mean, it's a referral for anything, you know. So it also encourages our team members to engage with our job opportunities and to know where we're looking for support within the organization. Uh, and so they can see, it may not be in my world, but look, there's this other job and I know someone who would be perfect for that. Uh, and so making that referral uh, has been has been really awesome. So we'll, we're excited to see how it how it turns out, but it's it's going great so far. It's it's amazing to share, um, and I, I really wanted to bring it up because it could be a tool and something to be implemented by you know any pharmacy, right? Anybody in our audience that's listening to this podcast thinking of, well, that's a great idea. I can incentivize my current employees in whatever way I wish. And obviously you can get creative with it. It doesn't have to be a week off. Right. Um, especially when I, I, I think that it's counterproductive sometimes too, because I know how pharmacies are struggling right. with headcount. <laughs> and it's like, I can't imagine losing that person for another week. Well, you yes. know, there's, there could be a financial incentive to it. Mm. There could be um, things that you can do with gift cards and, you know, the list goes on and on. Right. Um, so it's, it's great just to get the thought out there, the, the concept of re rewarding a referral and what that means. And you shared something really interesting, and I want to bring this up before we conclude. When they asked the question of, you know, we were a group of hiring managers at the time. I think we were like 40 or 50 people in the room, and more than 60%, as you shared, came from referral. There was also like 60 to 75% of us that were here for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. So to your point, referrals who are good employees normally also stay. Right. There's a correlation there. Yes. I don't know what the magic is or what the formula is, but it, it exists. It, it does. I don't know. I was, I've actually ironically been thinking about this lately, not only just in the context of referrals, but just people who stay long-term period. There is, this is when you are invested in people. So not only invested in the organization, <clears throat> excuse me, and the work that it does, but you're invested in your coworkers, you're invested in the team. It just, it's a, um, it's a tag. Like it keeps you bound it uh, does. to the organization and you care about the success of the organization. You care about the success of the people. So not only your success, but the success of your peers. And a lot of that does come from the referrals because you get to know people like, you know, there's a certain amount of trust that comes from a person. So like, if you refer someone, Mike, like I'd be like, well, this is Mike's referral. So, you know, that says something for them right there, you know, so they already have a leg up and it would, in my eyes uh, and for anybody else. And so that does, it starts laying the groundwork for a really strong bond. And I think especially when you have um, smaller companies, those sorts of bonds uh can be really, really long-term and, and can last uh, for, for quite a long time. You know, everything you just said, <clears throat> what, that, what that said to me, the grass is green. Mm -hmm. And I'm good with it. Yeah, for sure. And if you're happy with your lawn, <laughs> you can stay put. Yeah, it is. And it is about, what is that? Is it an expression about watering your own grass? So yeah, it's green. And that is that's exactly what this does, like a, a referral program, uh, rewarding your people, recognizing your people is another big part of it. Um, everything that comes along with making people feel at home and feel seen and feeling heard and also feeling challenged um, within your business is the key to to getting them to stay. Because at the end of the day, there are some people who will be lured away by money. Um, certain times in people's lives is 
they just got to earn a little bit more and that's okay. But there are people for whom money is not uh, the primary motivator behind why they take a job or why they stay in a place. Yeah. You know, they want to be paid fairly. Uh, they want to be able to take care of themselves and support their families and, and save and invest a little for their future too. Uh, but having purpose and um, knowing that you're going to work every day for a reason and for a noble reason uh, is a very, very compelling argument. And I think if we can make that argument um, and connect to people and uh, bring them into our fold and say, hey, we do good work here and there are good people here, um, I think that that makes all the difference in convincing people to stay. So awesome. Thank you for doing this. Oh, thank you for having me. You're like the best guest. Oh, I feel like you should be permanent co-host. <laughs> I don't know how my boss would feel about that. We got to talk to him. I don't know how Sebastian would feel about it either. Right. Oh, Sebastian. It's just yeah. you and I today, but it was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I think you dropped a lot of amazing knowledge. And and honestly, on behalf of our human relations team and, and truly speaking on what you've seen firsthand, I think is incredible, you know, tools and resources that can be utilized by pharmacies and it's a pleasure to have you, and I hope our audience got a lot out of it. Oh, thank you for having me, and, and it's always great um, to be in service to our members in any way I can. You'll definitely come back. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks, Michael, for doing this. Thanks, Mike. And thank you for our audience for tuning into this amazing episode. We hope you got a lot out of it. As always, uh, follow us along on social media, whether that's on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, and most notably, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next time, this is Mike Delicio, and thanks again for listening.